Hey guys, this week's episode is brought to you by Grove Collaborative. Over half a million families use Grove to get their favorite natural home and personal care products delivered to their doorsteps. So if you want to give them a try, sign up at grove.co slash YHL to get some free gifts and a free 60-day VIP membership. That's grove.co slash YHL. I'm John. And I'm Sherry. We like home stuff. We like talking. And we like the occasional game show sound effect. So welcome to Young House Love Has a Podcast, where we have deep and not so deep conversations about DIY, design, and life at home. Today, we're talking about balancing artwork versus family photos in your house and how you can personalize your walls beyond those usual smiling snapshots. Plus, some major beach house backyard progress, and John officially hops on the crystal bandwagon. You know, if my life satisfaction were to be measured in number of sheds, (laughs) I would be living high right now. Just guess in your head as you listen to this podcast, how many sheds? Okay, so we have one shed at our house in Richmond. Everybody knows that's John's pride and joy. He wants to marry it. He's in love with it. Guess how many more sheds John's adding to his life? Not one. Not two, but three sheds. Three sheds. Simultaneously. One for the pink house, which we've been waiting on a very long time, and two for the duplex, because remember, we're renting the duplex separately. Each unit is actually its own address, and we want them each to have access to a small, very reasonable shed, because in sandy, beachy places, you need to have sort of an outbuilding to put your chairs and your umbrellas and all the sandy things, the noodles, the the outdoor stuff. The noodles. The pool noodles, guys. They need a spot. I just don't want people bringing wet and sandy things into the house, and we've lived with the pink house without a shed for a year, and it got extremely sandy because we were literally bringing beach chairs into the house. Yeah, because these houses don't have garages or any other sort of outdoor storage area, so it's not a shed like the one we have here in Richmond that's like for our tools and like a workshop. We obviously don't need that sort of thing, but because we don't have a garage for all that sandy stuff and all the outdoor things, I mean, we do have outdoor tools like my weed whacker has just been living inside in the mudroom for the past year. I know. It'll be so nice to have these places because not only will we use the duplex ones to store beach stuff, we also in the pink house will have a nice shed to store other things that we've been keeping in the house. Like we have excess tile, not only from the beach house, but from the duplex. And it's been sitting in the foyer of the pink house for the last like five months. So when people come over or we're shooting photos for the blog, we move it all away and try to hide it. But I don't know if having four sheds is a little bit insane. It feels insane to me, even though theoretically there are four houses. Well, Sherry was shed resistant, (laughs) as she has been for the entirety of our relationship. But we actually were going to do the shed at the pink house last year. Like it was supposed to be done this time last year, along with the patio. But the weather was so uncooperative last winter because it was really cold and snowy and rainy that they weren't able to get to it last winter. And by the time that the weather got better, they could start working on the duplex and we're using the same crew and everything. So they were busy with the duplex and that was more important than the shed at that point. So we backburnered the shed last winter and didn't get back to it until this winter. It's taken like a whole year and we really... I think last summer, Sherry included, began to appreciate how much it would help us to have that structure back there to put not only the like tools and extra tile, but also all the beach things. Because every time we came back from the beach, like the chairs and umbrellas and beach toys would come into that mudroom. And not only was it getting kind of full, but it would get sandy and dirty. Very sandy. It was like dust bunnies. It was procreating. I don't know where the sand was coming from, but we wouldn't go to the beach and there'd be more sand. So it'll be so nice to have that shed. And the other thing, if you follow me on Insta stories, you might have seen me share a video of the shed framed out. The shed looks huge. 
To me, it's like a bedroom outside. And I told everyone that my plan is one day when we have a house full of grandkids and we want a respite, we're going to turn the shed into like a private retreat for ourselves. All you have to do is add one of those mini split heaters. Do you guys know what those are? And they like cool and heat and they're very inexpensive. But it's like a little room out there. It won't have plumbing, but we could totally sleep out there. So that's my plan. I'm hedging my bets. I have an extra bedroom outside now. I love that you've made like a 30 year down the road plan already. It's a plan. It isn't that big though. Like it looks bigger than it is. It's I think seven by 11. That's big though. Yeah, but we also did it somewhat to actually fill the space. We had this debate, I think, on the podcast several episodes ago about what to do with that backyard, probably when we were planning it last winter. Yeah. Because it's not a big backyard. Yeah. And remember, guys, I was on team no shed because it's a very small backyard. And I was like, why are we using any of the yard for a shed? But after a year of living with the stuff in my house, getting everything sandy, I was very pro shed. So I was like, we'll do the shed. And we oriented the shed in a way that it makes the rest of the yard kind of like a private garden. It adds privacy to the hot tub. It makes you feel nestled. It makes you feel like you're in this sort of little escape. And the houses are very close. So the shed is actually really nice because it makes you feel insulated and less close to your neighbors in a wonderful way that if you're like in a bathing suit outside, jumping in and out of the hot tub, getting dinner, you don't feel like everyone's watching you out their windows. Yeah, like it serves a nice function for the space planning of the backyard. And I should add, that in addition to getting three sheds, we're also getting three patios installed at the same time as well. Yes, Uh, pink house patio, which is necessary. Walking to and from the hot tub to this point has been muddy. Like we have little stepping stones, but there's a lot of like in the dark fumbling and falling in the mud and then not wanting to go in the hot tub because you're muddy. So it will be so nice to have hardscaping back there. Again, this is something we planned a year ago and are finally getting around to it, which is nice for the budget because we had an extra year to kind of save up. And the interesting thing about doing all of this at once, which is kind of like fate, like I'm very happy we waited because doing all of this at once, as you might imagine, is much more affordable. Well, much more affordable than doing it separately. Exactly. It's still expensive, but getting the patio stones in bulk, they're like pavers. I keep saying stones, but they're like, you know. Yeah, just a standard patio paver. Like a, Are they concrete? Is that what they are? Uh, Probably concrete. Concrete yeah. pavers. In doing it all at once, I got to say, listen, I'm getting X amount. It's a lot. And I really want a deal. And the amazing negotiations that happened because I was getting so much at once is that I basically paid for one patio and I got two free, which sounds insane when I say it. But we were pricing out more expensive material for the one for the pink house and then thinking we'll do the other ones later. Then a year happened. We're doing them all at once. I decided, nope, I'm not doing that expensive material. I got the most affordable pavers I could get around $2 a square foot, which is amazing. I'll show you a picture in the show notes. They're beautiful. And going from like a $7 material to a $5 material and then getting them down to $2 because I actually got two quotes back and forth before I agreed, it literally, going from $7 to $2, is buy one, get two free. So I feel like we did this the smart way and I love thinking that I'm getting kind of two patios bonus in all of this negotiating. And they should all be done Well, I don't want to put a firm timeline on it, but in the next month-ish or so, so that they're all ready for summer for everyone, which is another thing I wasn't necessarily expecting to be able to have at this point. So it also feels like we are almost ahead of schedule in a weird way. Like I expected the backyards of the duplex to be kind of like in a temporary half-finished zone by this summer. So the fact that they will be like almost more finished 
is a big bonus. Yeah, and we thought maybe a year from now we'd get to actually finish them, so it's going to be great to have them done for the summer. I don't want to jinx us, though. So yeah, let's, I do feel like, like we should knock on some wood. Let's make sure it doesn't rain for the next like three months straight, and then they will not be finished. We need sunny skies. And we'll put some pictures in the show notes of sort of where they're headed. I want to wait till they're like done to show off like the entirety of them, but you can see maybe some sneak peeks at younghouselove.com slash podcast. And I want to note real quick that we are having the sheds constructed in place by our contractor, Sean, and his crew. They are not prefab ones that we're having like trucked in because that would have been more expensive out there in Cape Charles where it's a bit more remote. We couldn't use the same person that we used when we bought the shed in Richmond, which they just like trucked in and installed. So it was actually cheaper to have them constructed to our own specs in place. Yeah, it's pretty fancy. And they have like real footers because it gets very, very windy at the beach. So they are like little houses, like they are super securely fastened, which I like because they're not going to get like picked up and tossed. It's not going to be like a Wizard of Oz scenario in here. Right. Well, next up, we actually want to answer a listener question that comes to us via voicemail from someone named Bethany. Hi, Jen and Sherry. This is Bethany from Gross Point, Michigan, and I'm calling because I'm wondering how to balance art with personal photos in a home. And I know it's kind of a personal preference, but I am transitioning into adding more art, and I just don't know where to strike the balance. So thanks so much. Okay, so one of the reasons I love this question is I actually get a surprising amount of questions from people saying, hey, I noticed you don't use family photos in your house. Can you explain that? And I'm like, what? I have so many family photos. But I think it's because we don't super share a lot of those pictures. We don't share our kids' faces. So when I'm sharing photos of my house or taking a picture for Instagram, I'm not focused on family photos. So that probably explains why I think a lot of people might think we just have art in our house. But we definitely have a balance going on. I think something interesting to note is that when John and I were talking about the answer to this question, we were saying, you know what's funny is we have a lot more personal photos upstairs in our private spaces, like in our bedrooms, in our bathrooms up there, in the hallway upstairs. So we're not like people who have a formal living room with a portrait over the fireplace and big photographs or, you know, images of our family downstairs a lot. But I think we have a lot of them upstairs. Yeah. I mean, I think Bethany is right to point out that it is always personal preference when it comes to what is the right balance for you. Like some people like a lot of personal photos all over the place. Some people don't like any at all, or they like just like a few. And I don't think we've thought a lot consciously about our balance or how we strike a balance. But we did have this observation that it has kind of unconsciously shaken out that our downstairs doesn't have a lot of family photos because they're mostly upstairs, like you said, in the private spaces. Like we have them in our own bedroom. Our kids have them in their bedrooms. We even have them in the guest room for people who stay there. Like we have a grid of family photos uh, above the desk in there. I think one thing we realized too and why a lot of them are upstairs is that we don't do photos really big. I think we realized the biggest we've ever done is eight by 10, but usually we get just five by sevens and put them in frames and do sort of like photo groupings, like a gallery wall. And in that respect, downstairs rooms with big swaths of wall, you know, like a big living room wall or a big office wall, 
they demand a larger piece of art. And so our little photographs would be pretty busy if we did gallery walls everywhere down here. And I think over time in minimizing, remember we talked about Michael and Smith and quieting the room and how you take a lot down and see what you like so you can draw attention to the things you really value and love. I talked specifically about how I went through my art and I took a lot of the gallery walls away because they felt like they were competing with themselves. And instead what I did is I highlighted my favorite art in big frames with big mats and let it stand alone and get attention. And also I took our favorite family photos and I made sure they were in our private spaces where we could appreciate them, not because I thought they belong in private spaces, but because sheer size, like the 8x10s yeah. and the 5x7s, make more sense in little nooks. And we have a lot more little nooks, like upstairs in bedrooms, little slices of wall. In our closet, we have a little slice of wall where two of our very favorite pictures of our children are. We have them in the bathrooms where there's you know a little niche behind the toilet or above the sink. And so it's just been a nice balance for us, I guess, to say, like, look, in our private spaces where we spend a lot of time, we have a lot of personal photos. But like downstairs when we're entertaining everyone in the living room, we don't have those big family photos everywhere or a portrait over the mantle. And that's okay. That's just how, I guess, we gravitate towards art or mirrors in those places. And we gravitate towards family photos in the more intimate spaces, perhaps. Yeah, I think that's just what has worked out for us and our sort of habit of printing photos. I don't think we print a lot of photos anymore right. anyways. And like, we just incorporate personal things in different places. Like one place we have actually a lot of personal photos downstairs that we take from that little page a day calendar that we print every year. We get these little like kind of post-it sized photos. Yeah, they every look day. like little Polaroids and the kids tape them up inside their mini mudroom. So there are so many photos every day that we're staring at on the calendar and taping up, but they're on the inside of the cabinet. So when they open the cubbies to get their shoes and coats on, like within their locker per se, it's like their personal little locker, they have all these photos. So it's not like they're devoid downstairs. It's not like there's not anything personal. We also downstairs have a huge cork board in our office where our kids put all of their art and it rotates and it's so bright and so colorful and I love that it feels made by them and personal and it's in our office space which feels like creative and colorful and vibrant so it's certainly not a like formality thing like I don't think it's because we think downstairs is more formal for entertaining right I just think the smaller scale ended up upstairs and it probably goes back to just us never being people who printed photos of ourselves like 35 by 40 and put them in a big frame because if you guys have watched Vanderpump Rules does anyone notice that Sheena Shea has more large photos of herself in the background than anyone I've ever seen. I don't get that reference point, but I feel like at one point I saw like a Kardashian house and their hallway was all these like giant poster size photos of themselves. Right. And like, guys, no shade if you have big photos of your family. I think it's beautiful. A lot of my friends do it. They do it downstairs in the foyer. They do it in the living room. I just think if you're asking what's our balance and what's our instinct, I think our instinct is like eight by 10 is big enough for me to see my face anywhere. <laughs> what if I put really big photos of Sheena Shea? That house? would be weird. Yeah. It would be entertaining for like a day. Okay. I would Instagram a lot in front of them and just see who notices. Okay. Maybe I'll, I'll punk you with that at some point. <laughs> but I thought also to answer Bethany's question, because she was saying, I think that she's transitioning from having lots of photos to having more artwork in her home. And I was going to offer that there are some sort of like middle ground ways in which you can incorporate photos or personal things 
but they don't necessarily feel like the standard family photo, like the smiling portrait of everyone's face is looking at camera. Right, because I want to make something totally clear, you guys. Number one, do what makes you happy in your own home. And number two, when you put things on your wall that are personal, that is how your room feels like home. We have moved enough and waited too long to make holes in the pristine walls and worried like, let's just wait until after we paint. Let's just wait until after we have the living room settled. And if you wait too long and then you put them up, you are smacked with the realization that, holy cow, the art and the photos and the personal touches are what make it feel like home. Like suddenly it goes from being this house you live in to your home. And so I don't ever want you to feel scared of doing this wrong. I think it's something you experiment with and you just see what works for you. But you don't just have to do photos, photos everywhere or no photos. Like there is what John was saying. There's like a middle ground. And we'll list three ways that you could kind of bring in more personalization that are beyond the traditional like smiling to camera picture. Yes, the first one is using more candid photos. So instead of the smiling to camera photo, like where everyone's posed or whatever, use a photo where the people are not looking at camera. Like maybe your kids are looking at each other or they're engaged in what they're doing. We do that a lot more lately, I think, because at the ages our kids are, you know, four and eight, you don't always get a great picture of both of them looking and smiling. So if you have them engaged in something else where they're enjoying the activity, you get a, you know, a more natural photo on the first try. (laughs) Right. And that might sound like what? So they're like putting a puzzle together and you take a picture of them with their heads down. You could. You could. But I think we have found that when we're in beautiful settings, for example, like Going for a walk and it's all green around them. If you pan way back and they're just walking near each other ahead, they're almost a silhouette. It's a beautiful photo. And you get that warmth of family and their relationship without being close in on their smiling faces. Do you know what I mean? And like we have beautiful pictures of them on the beach where they're far away walking or they're holding hands or they're both in the water giggling and laughing at each other. And you just see their little profiles laughing and facing each other. There is so much charm in these photos where you're not trying to say like, look over here and smile. And so I love a portrait. We have pictures of our kids looking and smiling, but I also think it's a nice balance. Again, when we're talking about balance, it diversifies your photos. Yeah, and I think they read a little bit more as artwork sometimes, you know, depending on the scenery and the composition of it. So like if you take a step back when you're taking photos to capture more of the environment, it might read to a visitor or someone as a beautiful piece of art. But, you know, upon a closer look, you notice that it is a member of the family and you know it's a member of the family the whole time. So it still feels personal and you get not only that connection to seeing the person, but also the reminder of the event and the location and all the other things about that moment that you thought was worth capturing in a photo and displaying. Exactly. So that's like it's art, but it's also personal. Yes. You've created both in one shot. And those are still photographs. I think the other two suggestions are moving away from actual photos, but still keeping things personal. So the second suggestion after the candid photos is to use art of your family. So I know you're probably first thinking like, oh, the painted portrait. Like actually there was a girl that I went to high school with that we came to visit her house and she had this huge, probably like four foot painting in her family's foyer of her as like a little girl standing next to, I think, a horse or piano, like looked like it belonged in an art gallery. I would have loved it. I felt very poor in that because I was like, my parents don't have a painting of me. With a horse. Where's your horse, John? (laughs) Exactly. So anyways, I'm not saying necessarily that. I mean, it, it could be that, I guess. But these days, there are so many ways to interpret your family 
into meaningful artwork. Like we've shared some of the things on the podcast here, like getting, you know, a peg family made on Etsy, or I think they do like little stitched embroidery family portraits now, or even just a cute like illustration or something. There's a lot of ways that you can move beyond the portrait photo, but still capture the portrait of a family. Right. And we actually shared, and we'll put it in the show notes, one of our neighbors and friends who's an amazing artist made a portrait of our children. And it's just this beautiful, sketchy, soft image. And of course, it's one of my favorite images of our children, which they're not looking at the camera. They're in bed, lying, surrounded by white bedding. It's light, it's ethereal, and they're looking at each other. Like she's looking at him, he's looking at her. It's their little profiles. And I just think it's so beautiful. And it is in our foyer. So it's not like... Hidden. hidden yeah it's this beautiful portrait but like it's in our foyer and the other paintings in our foyer are like a beach painting by teal duncan an artist i've loved forever and an image from someone on etsy who painted a little tiny pool in morocco so it's not like all family and it's not no family i feel like that's a good balance when you enter yeah but it was a photo that then we had translated into a piece of artwork and so i think in that space with other artwork, it feels a little bit more congruent. Like I feel like they flow together more nicely because they're all artwork, but one of them is so personal because it has our kids in it. So I think there's lots of ways, again, if you want to transition to having more artwork, like Bethany was saying, that's something you can do is just take some of your favorite photos and have them, you know, Etsy is a great place to find people who do these sorts of things, like search family portrait or family painting or family artwork, and you'll find tons of ways that you could have something personal translated into a piece of art. Maybe we'll link a few in the show notes. So go to the show notes, you can see what we had done, other things we've loved, and then you can just check out something that might appeal to you. And the third thing you can do besides using art of your family is you can also hang art by your family. So in particular, I'm talking about like children's artwork or things your kids have made, or I guess if you're an artist or your spouse is a artist or whatever, you know. A artist? You know, that's someone who makes art from the heart. <laughs> then you are a artist as are our children. Sheena Shea is a artist. No, she's a recording artist. <laughs> <laughs> she makes music from the art. From, from the, the heart. heart. No, so... If a family member makes something that you want to hang up, that's another way to put something on your walls that is not a family photograph, but still has personal meaning. And obviously we do that a lot because of the age our children are and the just like inherent charm of most of the things they make. I won't say everything they make. They did draw me very frowny the other day and they said, you're mad because you have a baby in your belly. I think you had two babies in your belly in that picture. Yeah, they drew me with twins. And he said, you're frowning because you're very full. (laughs) (laughs) So anyways... Uh, I think you already mentioned that we have that big wall in our office where we pin up our kids' artwork on. And that's one of our favorite ways to sort of like celebrate the things that our kids have made and inject a whole lot of like personal meaning into that room. You know, this workspace has this like really bright, cheery moment across from our desk that we get to look at. But that's not the only place that we hang our kids' artwork. Yeah, we have framed art that they've made in each of their rooms. We even have this drawing our daughter made when she was really young, like she was just learning how to write words. And it's like a recipe card, how to make a hamburger and how to make a cupcake. And she writes the steps and draws them. And it's literally like, get a hamburger, right? put it on a bun, eat it, yum. <laughs> and then the cupcake is like, add sprinkles. Like it's this really funny not- She misses several steps. <laughs> 
<laughs> it's so cute and charming. And all we did, it was just pencil on paper, is we blew it up. So we made it really big and we put it in a frame. So it's very graphic because it almost looks kind of like abstract black and white sketch from far away. Yeah. And then you get closer and you're like, oh, it's how to make a hamburger. <laughs> well, and that's also a great way to solve that scale problem that you were talking about earlier, like with family photos, since we don't always print them very large. When you have a piece of artwork that someone made, if they didn't make it large, a lot of times you can print it larger or blow it up in a way or just like put it in a frame with a large mat, some way that makes it a little bit larger scale without, you know, having to blow up like a family portrait and have giant faces smiling at you all the time. Right. Or be like super pixelated because it was never meant to be printed that big. Sheena Shea. (laughs) (laughs) We've talked a lot about her this episode, I feel like. Uh, If you're listening, I love Vanderpump Rules. Don't be mad. (laughs) I don't think she's listening. Not to burst your bubble. Um, But like Sherry said, in the show notes, we'll put some links for references of the things that we've talked about. Um, That'll be at younghouselove.com slash podcast. And again, like we said at the start, it's all a personal preference thing. That's just what has sort of shaken out at our house in terms of our balance of photos and also some suggestions for if you're looking for alternatives to incorporating personality without adding more family photos. And I think everyone can kind of find their own niche. I was thinking about this. You know, a lot of people have like family photos going up the stairs Mm -hmm. or a lot of people have like in Jersey, this was a big thing. Oh, you meant like a literal niche. No, no, no. I just mean like an area. Like like what we might like our private spaces to be full of family photos. Someone else might say, I have a big gallery wall in my living room of all the places we've gone and all the trips we've taken. Someone else might say, oh, all my ornaments are photo frames of all all my children and all this stuff. So like seasonally, I take out a lot of family photos. Like we all can figure out a little space to work this in. Like your dining room might have a big framed portrait. There's no right way to do it. But I do think if you start realizing, I really like things going up the stairs. Or like we started noticing, we really like them upstairs in our private spaces. Like the upstairs hallway feels really personal. The kids' rooms feel really personal with that. You might just unlock sort of a balance that works for you because you'll do something and it'll feel so good. And you'll say like, that's it. That's where I want to put them. Right. And I was going to add also just to end, if you have a question you want us to answer on a future episode, you can always leave us a voicemail. The phone number is 571-4-YHLHAP, as in Young House Love has a podcast. Well, next up, we're getting to We're Digging. Um, There is a surprising return of crystals to our We're Digging section. But it ain't by me. But first, we're taking a quick break. I know a lot of you have heard us talk about this week's sponsor before, but there are a few new reasons that you might want to give Grove Collaborative a try. Yeah, you guys know they're basically an online shop that stocks a lot of home and personal care products that are natural and non-toxic, like stuff from 7th Generation, Tom's of Maine, Burt's Bees, Method, and even Grove's own line of cleaners and cleaning tools. So you can stay stocked up on all your favorites without ever having to go to the store, and you can set up reoccurring shipments so you don't have to worry about running out. But I said there were some new reasons that you might want to try them out. They have just stocked up and then marked down all of their spring stuff, including three limited edition Mrs. Meyer scents, peony, lilac, and mint. Well, and you can try out those scents as part of the free gifts you'll get when you sign up, because when new customers sign up at grove.co slash YHL and spend their first 20 bucks, you'll also get three Mrs. Meyer's cleaners in the scent of your choice, plus a free 60-day VIP membership, and a free surprise gift thrown in on top of that. Any guesses what it is? They had these little cute tea towels and a stoneware tray with wildflowers on it that I saw on their site. Uh, I would not be mad if it was that. That's my guess. But you know, we're existing customers, so we don't get to find out. So you guys, if you sign up, you'll have to tell us. Yeah, you can sign up at grove.co slash YHL. Again, that's grove.co, not .com slash YHL. That's right, guys. John has discovered crystals. Well, I haven't discovered them because you have coated our house with crystals that you purchased. <laughs> They're amazing. And now... 
Who's seeing the light? Eh? I, yeah, I bought some crystals, guys. Seeing the light was actually a pun. It was, I noticed, but I chose to ignore it. <laughs> So what I'm digging this week are prisms, those little like small glass crystals that you hang in your windows and they reflect rainbows everywhere. Isn't it called retraction? Refraction. Refraction. There it is. Retraction is when something gets retracted. (laughs) I I don't even know if retraction is a word though. It's like when someone puts their head under their shell as a turtle, (laughs) it'd be a head retraction. (laughs) And by someone, I mean a turtle. (laughs) It's a very popular term in the turtle community. (laughs) Time for a retraction of the head. (laughs) But I bought these recently because I was reading that joyful book that Sherry talked about a few episodes ago, where they were talking about things in your house that just inject happiness, like make you feel happy. And as I was reading it, she was talking about these universal things that make people feel joy. And I think she referenced at one point rainbows and light. And something she said triggered this memory that growing up, my mom had a lot of these crystal prisms hanging in windows around our house. And you know, when the sunlight catches them at whatever time of day, they just kind of like spray little rainbows all over the walls. And I remember really, really enjoying that, being fascinated by them as kids, you know, like- They're like the original disco ball. Sure, okay. Well, maybe the original disco ball in the 70s came first, then these maybe in the 90s. I have no idea the timeline or relationship. The return of the disco ball, which also came the letterboard. Lots of things came back. That's true. And we're bringing back window prisms. I don't think we're bringing them back, but I was bringing them back to my life because I found you can order them on Amazon. I'll put a link to the ones that I bought. Although I'll say they're a little bit larger than I expected, but that seems to be a standard size. I was looking for smaller ones. If I find smaller ones, I will link to them as well. But it was just eight bucks for a pair of them. So like $4 each and they come with a string that you can hang. I just hung them from like the window locks, you know, in the middle of the window. So they hang down in the middle of the pane. And there's one in our bedroom, one in the office. I put one in each of the kids' bedrooms because not only did it bring back this sort of joyful memory for me from like growing up, but the kids have really enjoyed like at a certain time of day, they have like rainbows in their rooms and they move throughout the day. So they're in different spots and they, you know, discovering like if they put their hand up, it is on their hand or they can stand in front of it and it will splash across their face. Like it is doing the thing that they talked about in the book. Like it's bringing joy into the house in a way that we didn't have it. It's just a surprise. Like it's when it's happening, you're like, oh, rainbows. And then you like go about your day, but you got like a little pep in your step. I love them. I think it's very sweet that you did that. Congratulations on being a wonderful dad. I'm on the crystal train, I guess. (laughs) As much as it pains me to say that word. (laughs) And meanwhile, I'm over here digging a TV show. It's actually a series on Netflix. Yes, we had the TV detox. We watch a lot less TV. And actually, one of the things I love about this is they're only little half-hour episodes. So it doesn't take up a lot of time. If you want an update on how much TV we watch, I'd guess we watch maybe a show every other night, maybe less. And the reason I love this show, it's called Russian Doll on Netflix. It has Natasha Leone in it, yep. right? And it's this really interesting concept and it's perplexing and it gets a little bit scary and it's like a thriller. Like it's like a But like a comedy thriller. Like it's very funny and quirky. The general like concept, I don't want to say too much about it. It's oh, like I hate to ruin anything. No, but this is how much I knew going into it. It's like it's kind of Groundhog's Day-ish. You know that movie with Bill Murray where he like keeps repeating the same day, Groundhog Day? Yes. 
it's kind of like that. So she is repeating this portion of her life, but it's because she is dying. Right. It's kind of like if you guys watch The Good Place, I'd put it on... Why? No? Well, because there's death, but it's not heavy. It's like funny death. Yeah, it's funny death. Yeah, it's like she has these like kind of funny accidents in the first couple episodes. Like that's kind of the shtick of the beginning is like these clumsy ways that she dies and then she starts back again. It is definitely not a show for children. And there, oh, are, no. there are dark moments, but it's also surprisingly humorous. Amy Poehler is actually one of the producers of it. And I think we read that it was an all-woman produced show. Like it's super girl power. There's a, There are men in the show. It's not just like a girl's monologue. But it is very well done. It's intriguing. I think it has a very satisfying and interesting and intricate ending that yes. you have to watch in detail and it unfolds before you and you think that's great I feel very satisfied because we worried it would have kind of a cliffhanger ending and wouldn't resolve itself but I thought it was beautifully done I love that women were behind it I think Latasha Leone did an amazing job I wish Amy Poehler made a cameo but I'll get over it maybe season two thanks for listening to Young House Love has a podcast and curveball I'm gonna steal Sherry's line here Please keep telling us what you do while you listen. Like Nick on Twitter, who's been keeping us posted as he makes his way through all 130-something episodes. He started back in early February, and he's almost completely caught up. It's dedication. It is. So I'm supposed to say one of your things because you stole mine. So I'm going to say please subscribe to our show or leave a rating or review an Apple podcast or recommend our show to a friend or tell your pet parakeet about it. You covered all of your bases and more. And don't forget to go to younghouselove.com slash podcast for all the bonus links, photos, and info from this episode. Yep, like some examples of the family photo alternatives we talked about and a sneak peek at the backyard of the beach house. And you don't want to show people your beloved crystals? Okay, and my beloved crystals. (laughs) I'm so proud of you. Later. Bye. For YHLHAP, as in Young House Love has a podcast. Young House Love has a portrait. Young House Love, hardest, that's the H and the A, I don't know what the P is, Peter's sick. Perfect. Everyone will now remember our number without any issues.